So I'll try to respond to some to some of your questions. There were too many to cover in this time. I think if too much talk too much, it can perhaps uh, you know overstimulate and sort of diffuse our, our attention. But um, just touch into a, f- a few of these. <coughs> So, first, what does it mean to skillfully negotiate dumb-oriented contact with other beings? Well, essentially you find your own center, your midline, and uh, that's, and you stay in in that center, and you, kind of just tentatively open and then you have to negotiate which can be done like bodily it's often people do this bodily they kind of look at each other and how are you and okay you know some sense of a little bit of interplay uh, and uh, and then you're sensing what's happening here and as as things get uh, you know, activated, you want to stay until some of the activation has settled a little bit. Move in. Uh, Putting it very briefly, but basically um, undergo, there is, you know, contact, skillful contact is always negotiated. If it's not negotiated, it's called impact. Which is a different kind of contact, you know, spap, <laughs> uh, which we can also do, and sometimes that's okay, or it kind of works in to a degree. But if you want something a little dumber-oriented contact, where you you're really kind of uh, sensitive and there's receptivity, and you're not going into your patterns, your personality patterns, and triggering. Uh, and you stay centered, then you have to negotiate it. And this can be done to a certain extent, you know, like just feeling presence and a bit of verbal exchange. How's that? Is this okay right now? And mm, I'm feeling this, and is this the time? And then generally we kind of invite and uh, question and request with a sense of respect. Mm. You know, you find your way, (coughs) but (coughs) it's all guesswork. It's all guesswork, and so there has to be that quality of, you know, the least I will hold a center, at least I'll try to, to maintain respect, which means I don't know, I cannot know where you're at. I don't know how I affect you. Um, but I'm, I do know I do affect you. <laughs> uh, and so, can we give me, give me a clue? 
you know, however you language that or indicate that, that's that to me is the important piece, is to not assume that we know. Hey, hi Mary, how you doing? You know, because you know the face. Obviously, a lot of the time, just knowing the face and saying some friendly things is is kind of okay, but it's not real, not in the this deep contact process. Um, is is of a different nature, and maybe we can uh, go into that. There'll be some more for people who <laughs> want to go <laughs> go into it. Uh, there'll be some more relational work, relational possibilities in the next couple of days, and it's best that you, you know, you you you, you actually practice it a lot because it's all guesswork, really. But respectful, sensitive guesswork, recognizing you get it wrong time and time again. But um, if there's respect, mutual respect, then we can, okay, never mind, let's start again. Without, I mean, difficult, my, my, eyes, my eyesight's going at this particular time, strange phenomenon that sometimes occurs, I get this sort of very um, strange visual field starts distorting. It may have been the we parker of too much acid years ago. (laughs) 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 I can't always, so the things kind of move around. Without getting marginalized, discounted, attacked or ignored, how does one offer or present this type of contact, which may take time, effort, openness, and the world is often um, fractured, frenetic, chaotic, changing and moving very, rapid, very rapidly, not often open, willing, or even equipped, or able to receive and engage in this manner. <laughs> well, essentially, you, you don't. It's just, you know, you, you, you can't, it has to be two two people involved. If the other person isn't able to to uh, to have a negotiated contact, then you you can't do it. Mm. Mm. So you can only you know stay in your own presence, your own field, and make a few suggestions like, uh-huh. and um, yeah, actually I'm not really there yet. I'm not with that. Mm. You know, I hear what you're saying, but that that's not my concern right now. Yeah, well, I, I understand, I get what you're saying, but I don't find I can accept that. You know, you just got to kind of at least sta- stand your own ground. If somebody's kind of throwing stuff at you or whatever, then you say, well, um, yeah, I can't, I can't be with that right now, so perhaps another time. <laughs> you know, you can't, it's, it's taking on too much. And even, to, even, with, even when there is openness, it still takes quite a bit of, of doing to to maintain skillful contact you know even when there's openness because we live in such a oh well I don't know speaking personally but you know such a deeply fractured and dissociated domain and so just to just to sort of come out of that and you can't learn this in your head you've got to learn it doing the doing the field work
anything we can do to protect ourselves when we're in situations like work we're required to be in close proximity which people prefer not to be close to well that's pretty much the same you've got to maintain this this axis and 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 that that takes quite a lot of resolution because there's so many things whereby people kind of I don't know if they really know what they're doing but pull you away from it with senses of you're you're, obli- you're obliged to you should do I'm going to be hurt if you don't <laughs> you know uh, so you you lose you have your center you know you, you so th- there's all this thing going on or you've got to be compulsive if you're not compulsive I'm going to be annoyed um, so threats and, and seductions of various kind so essentially you've got to sort of generally it's good to deflect too much eye contact a little either zone back or just slightly deflect eye contact keep with your feet and uh, just stay on your ground uh, and um, you know so sense of which openness though it's a lovely idea is, is not always possible realistically if you're open in such situations you get shredded so there has to be a sense of a closure which is not you know it's protective there's something to be protected here so it's, it's a closure like that rather than a closure like that so we maintain our sense of dignity and uh, self-respect and if people can meet me on that ground well and good if they can't we could negotiate if they can't negotiate <laughs> you just gotta do holding patterns you know and and, and um, you know, just simple statements again and again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I hear what you're saying but yeah yeah I know we, I hear what you're saying but yeah you said that yesterday but mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, you know, just sort of you often need to say the same thing over and over again before people get it, and that's that's holding your boundary. And you know, uh, sometimes I'm not saying people, but these energies that rush through people do not want you to have a boundary. They want you to be swept away. You know, I don't think people are conscious of that, but that's what these energies do. And so it doesn't do them any good, really. I mean, this is... I think I'll leave that one. Is it helpful to name and focus on positive meditative states like gladness, joy, contentment, dispassion, or f- stay with the f- feeling, the pure energies. Do we gladden the mind by focusing on positive states or by staying with energies? Well, the, the, the positive states do have energies. Um, so you focus on a quality like gladness there's a certain might say an emotional resonance there 
and there's a particular brightness of energy. So you, you hold them both. Mm. I don't know if I really understand the question, actually. This morning you mentioned what are the boundaries of our heartfulness, soulfulness, spirit. What do you mean by spirit? Or any of this? How is this different from self, utter, soul? How does what you are talking about <laughs> fit with the aggregates and other dumber teaching? Indeed. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sympathize. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what I mean by these terms is aspects of citta, so, you know, which is often translated as mind, mm. and sometimes translated as heart, sometimes translated as awareness. Mm. And... Um, so, la- you know, language is itself is just guesswork, really. Um, you know, there's, an, there's experiences, aren't there? There are, there are experiences, subjective experiences that are that. And then we try to find some word that will cover what that is. So you look around in the language box mm, and you find words that, yeah, it's pretty clear, it doesn't, cover it all. So I often can use a range of words to cover different nuances, different aspects of that, uh, what, I, what I'm referring to. Mm. So mind, heart, awareness. So citta is both, it's uh, receptive, it's sensitive, it's affective. It's, it's, it gets affected and it also rises up. It activates. And uh, at certain um, aspects, have us th- it activates along. Sometimes it activate it activates along rational lines. You know, it sort of activates and it stimulates, and thoughts come up. Mm. It's that which you know sets th- things t- rolling, and then maybe then something comes in that starts to form thoughts, which is called. Uh, the mano faculties, a sort of separate sub-faculty. And so it does that. And we all know where that happens, but we also recognize that there's this way it generates um, emotion and impulse and urges and drives. Some of them, you know, kind of familiar things like um, well-being or irritation. Some of them more perhaps strange, irrational urges, compulsions, addictions, phobias. Um, It can go into what we might call almost paranormal experiences where we feel um, strange psychic phenomena arising. All that's jitta. Mm. Mm. The term psyche sometimes can be used to cover it all. And as we begin to... uh, made more clear, particularly in this l- the century, previous century through 
um, psych- psychology, psychoanalysis, psychotherapy and all that, um, then a lot of what uh, people are generally languaged as, you know, demons and angels out there, they start to re-language as strange forces in here. <laughs> yeah. And and so these are, um, sometimes we might apply the word spirit to that, uh, or spirits, different spiritual qualities. When you say you're practicing spiritual practice, what are you talking about? <laughs> because there are certain qualities that seem to arise from outside of one's normal personal sphere. Uh, and this is kind of the rising of the spirit. Okay, the jitta or elements of the jitta are touching into the Dharma field, the sacred field, you might say, whether it's conventional Buddhist or something, tapping into something where, you know, hey, there's an arising and it's got a certain directive. Mm. So jitta also can carries intentionality and intentionality doesn't mean deliberate decision, it means a kind of an urge, a calling. Mm. So in this respect, using English language, you might say, you know, a calling of the heart or a calling of the spirit occurs. One's faith is arising and that's a, that's a spiritual urge, isn't it? The arising of faith. It's not something like you decide to have it or you get talked into it. <laughs> It just wells up. So in this respect, um, I would call that, use the word spirit to, to, I don't use it very much because of all the kind of nuances it can create. Mm. Okay, so <coughs> what is so jitter, this and all this and not self, um, really d- you know, the word atta in referred to um, a kind of like a, uh, a sense of an entity that dwelt within uh, the human being and at the death this entity, this spirit, this soul went off and maybe united with Brahma in the Indian uh, psychology and probably in Christianity have a similar thing. The soul, you know, after death the soul emerges and unites with with. God or lives with God. So it's it's a sense of something that's definitely an, like an entity. And what we do not experience, what is not talked about, or is not um, um, sensed in Buddha Dhamma is that chitta is an entity. Although naturally as soon as you use a word like that, once you use a word you, it seems like an entity. But when you experience it, it's not an entity. It's a whole field of effects and causes and 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 obvious causes and effects thoughts emotions uh, urges drives negative positive and there's also a kind of quiet awareness of that through which all this stuff flows you could say that in that way jitters almost like an open space through which these forms flow but you cannot cut it out and and say, oh, it's that big, or it lives in here. You cannot find a boundary to it. You can't find an edge to it. Um, you cannot own it. 
so the definitions of selfhood are generally that it has a boundary. It's mine and not anybody else's. Um, you know, it's definitely mine. It's nobody else's. Unique. Um, uh, um, and all inside it is mine. That would be myself. Well, as you contemplate jitta, you recognize the stuff running through there you didn't really know much about at all. <laughs> and you certainly didn't create it. And it comes and it, woof, woof, where did that one come from? And it, it maybe has resonances of familiarity, but it's the things that move and you begin to sense, well, this is a ricochet of conditions that occurred, you know, perhaps as some of you talking about in the American political landscape, you know, suddenly all sorts of stuff starts rolling through on that account. You know, and then you're in it, or you seem to be in it. It's moving through you. Well, what kind of self is it's got no boundaries to it? And there's all kinds of things happening in it that it's not owning, and it can't even have control over. So in this sense, although there is definitely intelligence, sensitivity, responsiveness, irritation, love, compassion, all these things are available. There isn't some entity that uh, owns it, has it, turns it on and, switch it and switches it off. Mm. There are factors such as mindfulness that can stabilize. Uh, so that's a potency in the field. And if certainly if attention is drawn there, you know, if there is that wisdom to discern that, then that wisdom can choose and you know, sustain the sati, mindfulness of something skillful. And you think, well, how does this operate without somebody doing it? Well, you know, if you, for example, just lift, lift, your, lift your hand up and move it down again, uh, how many muscles do you think did that movement? You know, did you decide, oh, well, I've moved that muscle and that muscle and that, or did it just the body knew what it was doing? The body knows what it's doing. Mm. Similarly, in this jitta quality, the jitta has intelligences and sensitivities. It gets confused, certainly, but it has a primary, f primary wisdom that kind of it gets clouded over and obscured by ignorance. But it it organizes. It does things. It it organizes. Sometimes it organizes disasters. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So when I say it has organizing intelligence, it doesn't mean it's always on the right track. But it always operates. It operates without somebody operating it. Mm. And you think, well, it, exactly, because who would be the self who stands outside of the chitta and operates it? <laughs> Where would they be? You know, <laughs> Where is this self? Mm. So, but, um, you know, as I say, what is familiar gets taken to be that. The f is self is really a sense of familiar pattern. And certainly some patterns are familiar. Mm. But did you put them there? Did you generate them? Mm.
I don't think that's not, that doesn't do it. Thank you, thank you. But it's not that kind of thing. It's just a, a ripple effect. Is there a difference between the five spiritual faculties and the five spiritual powers, Bala? So there's five spiritual faculties which I mentioned. Um, Sada, Virya, Sati, Samadhi, Panya. That's uh, loosely translated faith, um, energy, mindfulness, concentration, wisdom. And these are also the names of five spiritual powers. Uh, so the so you have sadha is an indriya, it's also a power. And the sense of this is it, it's as indriya they are present or they're potentially present for all of us. We have some degree of faith in something, you know, some degree of that. Um, so that they are there, we have to always have some degree of mindfulness, otherwise we'd be completely mad uh, <laughs> and dysfunctional. <laughs> So it's there, but uh, then as you develop and focus on them and give them more uh, use, they become powers. So the power is really the fully developed, fully uh, uh, strengthened indriya. And they're said to merge in the deathless. So as they come together, then they, they, they merge in the deathless and I kind of wish I hadn't said that now because <laughs> going to ask me a question about that. <laughs> you mentioned consciousness creating duality. I thought that was perception. Um, well, perception goes along with consciousness. Um, but... Uh, mm. The nature of perception is to generate um, generics out of specifics. So of all the different shades of blue, we develop the sense of, oh, that's blue. But of course, every tinge of blue is slightly different. We, oh, that's, that's in the blue. Well, you might have slightly blue, dark blue, deep blue, faded, you know, slightly, you know, but no, it's blue. So that's, you see, you get generic impression. I say that's Joseph, well, you know, but then again, it's, there's all kinds of different qualities in which Joseph can manifest. Well, that's, that's in the Joseph thing, <laughs> something like that. So perceptions generate, create generic um, um, qualities that we can then take with us, get a feeling we know they, they create a certain library. The quality of the arising of consciousness um, is um, very cryptically um, uh, defined as uh, dependent, dependent with, with ignorance, with unknowing as a condition. Uh, these sankharas these potencies, these creative tendencies start activating and consciousness uh, is activated. Yeah. And the consciousness generates nama and rupa or dependent upon consciousness is nama and rupa. Nama is everything that to do with knowing or naming and rupa is everything to do with the object. 
So from consciousness arises, or as consciousness activates, it generates uh, like a, a scene and a seer. From the act of seeing, which is what happens, the act of seeing occurs, yeah, the act of seeing occurs, and as seeing as visual consciousness comes in, you know, if your eyes are okay, <laughs> then you get the sense of distinct forms. And, you know, and also as that comes in, then we, we sense, I am looking out, I am seeing things. Mm. Now, a seer cannot exist unless there's something to see, can it? I could be a listener, but I can't be a seer without a, uh, without seeing in a scene. So the subject exists in a dependent relationship with the object. Obviously, the object cannot manifest without seeing. You know, you can't have a, a scene without seeing, and you can't have a seer without seeing. But the seer and the scene depend codependently unfold from the act of seeing. So that's that's the duality, and of course in that duality, as various other things come in, many other qualities come in, the seer becomes seemingly separate from the scene, and you know, and then as they feel separate from the scene, then they can start to like it, dislike it, poke it, change it. You know, as the relationship starts to occur around a sense of separation. And the basis of that is consciousness. You know, if we are actually very um, steady about even seeing consciousness and you just maintain the quality of seeing uh, and don't get, if you just keep it like keeping your eyes open, then you see this very large visual field and a very strong instinct to try to focus on a particular object. Now, if you have the very wide visual field, it's quite difficult to sense discrete objects. You've just got a kind of changing map of, of colors. Yeah. But almost immediately, the attention wants to narrow down to something about this, this wide. Then, oh yeah, there's so-and-so and so-and-so. And the eyes flicker around. Now that is another quality called attention and that's directed by the mind so the object comes into form dependent upon uh, you know the uh, particular action that occurs and clearly as we probably if you consider it carefully you'd recognize that uh, you know what we see what we really see is quite subjective you know and uh, what what draws my attention you know and then you know oh so you focus on the focus is quite subjective we don't notice the walls we don't notice the lights we don't notice the chairs we notice the faces and yet, in all this, the ceiling, no. I really notice there, but no, nothing. We notice the faces. Mm. 
because those naturally carry much more subjective meaning for us than anything else. So, but that's see how the subject subjective quality starts to form the objects, and the objects kind of start to form the subject because the objects carry potency. Something creates them, and then I feel interested or desiring or nervous because that particular thing there. But I created it, you know, my, my attention created it. And so, you know, I, I gradually become more and more patterned as this process goes on. What advice can you give upcoming Dhammas teachers in the West? Well, more practice is necessary. And uh, Kalyanamita. Practice a lot and cultivate Kalyanamita, spiritual friendship, to so you, those are the, for anybody, not just Dhamma teachers, but upcoming human beings. <laughs> Practice a lot and uh, stay with what you know and don't don't bluff and um, seek Kalyanamita who will help to tell you when you're bluffing <laughs> and accept you or love you all the same. Briefly speaking and I'm sure there's much advice you can, in detail you can get from other uh, Dhamma teachers but that would be my little piece in it, in that offering. So this person's asked quite a few, I just check is anybody else something to say, ask about. Uh, do you talk more about transmuting sexual energy into a steady state? How? Mm. Mm. Well, more practice is necessary. <laughs> so, you know, there's energy and it can it can operate the more you in touch with energies uh, as a constant feature of this embodiment experience and this heart experience. There's energies, it's always there, it's always energies are there. And they're, they're effective, they're affected, they're, they're, they're highly volatile qualities. And, uh, um, uh, and they, they, have a certain, they can have a certain luminosity and radiance to them, in it, or body energies. So the more we just operate with body energies, it's really, you know, this particular Essentially, there's a sex sexual channels you c it can travel down. And it, by nature, yes, that's, that's what it would do because that's that's the nature of the body. Point of having a body is to make sure there's more bodies <laughs> around. <laughs> that's its program in one way. So you said, yeah, if you then you have to actually just like pause there, and ideally before it becomes really deeply sexual, just to handle body energy and start to bring it through the whole body form, 
Um, you know, so the more that you can sense your body energy moving through the whole form, then the qualities of uh, of the body body energy if, you know, can have a certain uh, vitality, uh, warmth, uh, fulfilling quality, and if that can sense through the entire body, then you know you're not just not just all rushing down the sexual channels, mm, sexual channel, and it's a much steadier quality. Sexual energy is generally pretty volatile and rushing. Um, can we call it deeply pleasant? Um, but this other way of fusing the entire body with it um, is, a, is a softer but it's more steady state. I mean you can stay in that for for many hours and samadhi particularly is when that steady state energy is, is becomes very strong and felt and then you can stay with that and even as you come out of samadhi some some of the after effects of that are still still there. Mm. So this d- definitely is possible to do, and so you know, some people, myself, managed celibacy for decades, um, and on a sort of practical, just very practical level, um, you know, have is recommend sort of moving up your spine, you know, so feeling the spine and bringing your awareness and your energy so where your awareness goes your energy will go with that so where your awareness goes if you really fully bring awareness into the body then that's where your energy will be and if you can move that energy thickly through the spinal channels up the spine into the heart. So this, often you might have come across the chakras and things of that nature. So these are definitely known um, centers. So moving energy through these, because these people who who got this, who developed this technology, you know, they knew about energy and they knew about sexuality and they knew what they were doing. They knew how to channel it. And they could recognize, yeah, you know, sexuality is just what beings do. But with this, you can you can harness that and you can direct it to other purposes that um, many people, well, good people can find more long-term beneficial, less snags and side effects. Uh, definitely one needs a loving heart and uh, a lot of patience and sense restraint, yeah, but also really feeling it and directing it through the body. Breathing in and out is a very helpful medium, but it has to come up and through and be felt through the whole body. And this definitely has an effect on lessening sexual appetite, because if you're getting this kind of quasi-erotic, you know, experience this way, and it's like, you know, well, you know, there's a kind of lot of stuff you don't have to deal with, <laughs> uh, and it's lasting longer. And so, when the Buddha described jhana, and it's it's pretty sensual in many respects. He said, just uh, there's not one part of one's body that isn't suffused, drenched, saturated with pleasure. 
um, pleasure born of the disengaged attention. So we pull back from the sense contact, you disengage the, the, what we say, the more natural channels, the sexual channels, pull back and breathe through the entire form. And the more you develop awareness, breathing, and the energy with breathing, the more you develop real awareness and handle that energy, this will um, can suffuse the entire felt body. And one's appetite, sexual appetite, definitely drops. And, um, and even, you know, kind of more sexual reflex tends to become less compulsive. And it really, it really reconfigures your, your, your way you experience yourself and other people. There's quite a lot of, of um, side of negative side effects with sexual energy. Clearly, there's a lot of sexual abuse, but even when it's not abusive, it can. It's pretty. Uh, you know, use a lot of juice in that, uh, and and other t- other qualities can get mixed up with it. You know, like power and domination and things of this nature. So it's uh, it's certainly cultivating, transmuting, so that you, if you, you know, if you are in engaging in relational sexual, you know, sharing sexuality, well, that's fine in its own way, but you want at least purify it so it's not just compulsive it's something there's a certain you know loving and proper container for that and you know certainly you know it can be the case that you know it's enough just to be in your own form what is meant by sampajanya clear comprehension. Well, again, these are words. <coughs> Anya, um, this this particular piece of it is often associated with a sense of of knowing that's not a thought, but a sense, you might say, awareness or insight, knowing something that's silently sensing things. This is the Anya. And uh, um, so it's a kind of know-how or, a, or a, uh, that kind of awareness and the rest of the words uh, the words are just uh, amplify it. it means thoroughly completely some is thoroughly pa completely janya thoroughly completely knowing <laughs> means you're really on the ball uh, uh, and so that's a certain agility alertness that sometimes translates as alertness uh, Full awareness, full knowing is sometimes translated in that to try to give people a sense of really like you're on literally on the ball, like what I call wilderness training. You kind of you know you can go in any which way, and you just but then it it's also sensing in all this, you know, which is the proper direction, and it comprehends. 
the nature of experience to be, you know, changing, um, 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 not self. Mm. So it contains uh, aware of the arising and passing of phenomena. That's it's one of its features. So it's that sense of this this is rising up, changing and passing. It's it's generally coupled with sati, sati sampajanya in the sati patana sutta. It means one is mindful, one is bearing something in mind, and as you stay with it, you're also savvy to what this is about. Necessary, absolutely necessary, because uh, um, as far as I can sense, it's, you know, People often jump rather than check things out. We jump to the next. Some vagina is this experience is changing, happening. Stay in the center. Stay in the center knowing. So Sampajanya helps one to stay literally on the ball as it's turning. Yeah. <laughs> it knows the ball but it doesn't roll over with it. Mm-hmm. So if one's mopping the floor or something, you're in your body and you're mopping the floor and you're staying with that, with whatever it takes to, you know, whatever detergent or water or broom or whatever you're using, you know, you can use all that and you stay centered and from that center you're alert to the qualities of what you're operating in, but you're not absorbed in them. Mm. And you're not imposing an idea upon them, you're just aware of it, alert to it. Quality of a craftsperson, you know, is they there. So the mindfulness you're holding your piece of wood carefully in your hand, and you have your chisel or something, and you're aware just of how that wood could splinter if you you do it if you go too hard or too quick, and you're aware of that chisel could slash your finger if you don't hold it correctly. So you're aware of that. So that awareness itself is before the action. You know, it's just supervising the quality of the action, right? So we could act. And we'd still be, to a degree, we'd be mindful holding the thing, we'd be acting. But some Virginia say, um, from here, just be aware, you know, of actually what's the details of what's happening there. Don't get lost in ideas of progress and making it work and getting the finished result. Don't get lost in those. Um, Realize this is a chisel, it's sharp, you know, so don't slash around. That's wood, it it won't take certain qualities. So it's aware of the qualities of the material and the qualities of the action and yet itself it's not participating, it's supervising, alert to it. And as things change, it's alert. Hey, did you see what happened there? 
you know. Take it easy. So it's alert to, to the to the material and to the actions that we're doing. So it can often uh, ask us to slow down, pause, take another angle, because we're alert to all the, the qualities that are arising. Sampajanya, sati sampajanya, mindfulness, and clear comprehension. So I think probably not for today. Do you think jhana training is necessary? I think it's uh, very helpful. Mm. Train towards that because uh, whether one degree to which one those result or not is sometimes dependent upon one's capacities or one's limitations or situations. The jhana training uh, encourages both to keep discarding what's not necessary. You know, so it keeps us centering, centering, centering and discarding that, discarding that and um, protecting and enjoying the good the qualities of the mind as it purifies. So, we, so it's that attitude of homing in and but also enjoying you know deeply absorbing taking in absorbing and so you know if you, anything you do with that attitude mm, you know is going to help in the process of training the mind not to keep skipping on and not to go off into side side tracks <coughs> And stay on theme and and in enjoy the good. And this is this is this absolutely necessary. The mm. degree to which your mind will stabilize into jhana takes time, maybe you know, on your capacities, but the whole attitude is to always bear in mind, absorb into the good. When it's good, take it in, feel the quality of the good this is going to enrich you. If you just skip on to the next thing, you didn't taste the fruit. You just picked it. You didn't taste it. It doesn't doesn't have the deep effect. <coughs> so I'll take leave to pause for this evening. Let's um, close with the sharing of punya blessings. What is this? 